Hi, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Emily. And we're so glad you're joining us today. Absolutely. And if it is your first time, we would love to know you're watching with us. If you can go to newcity.us slash connect and fill out the form. Now let's get ready to worship together. Well, good morning, New City Church. My name is Connor Deason. And I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. I want to invite you to take this opportunity to prepare your mind and your heart to listen to the message that God has for us this morning. This is Unstoppable God. Heaven thundered and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you formed. Faith commanded and the mountains moved. Fear is losing ground to our hope.
Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we breathe it for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart. we sing that song as a prayer to you this morning that we will build our lives upon your love 
A love that we know is unfailing and is unconditional and is always there for us. We ask that you continue to spread that love and that light through the city, through this world, and through your people. We love you and we give our lives to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We are so thankful to still be able to worship together in this way. And as a church today, our hearts are heavy for those affected by Hurricane Laura. We've partnered with an organization called Convoy of Hope, who has people stationed in Texas and Louisiana, and they're meeting the needs of those affected by this storm. If you'd like to partner with this organization, you can do so as well by going to convoyofhope.org. Absolutely, and we wanna be a generous church. Part of our mission here at New City is to share the love of Jesus with our city and world, and part of the way we do that is through giving. And so if you are ready to partner with us in that way, you can go to newcity.us slash give. And now, if you will, pray with me for our offering this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we um, just lift up this offering to you today. We pray, God, that this would go to advance um, your kingdom, Jesus, in our city, in our world. We love you so much. We know that you are um, with us and beside us, and we pray this morning that, um, that all that is said and that all that is heard, Lord, would be glorifying to you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so excited for part three of our Nehemiah series today. So here's Chris Payne with part three. Welcome to New City. We're so grateful to have each and every one of you joining us today. If this is your first time, we hope that it won't be your last time. We're uh, continuing on in a series that we started a couple of weeks ago on the life and the leadership of a man named Nehemiah. And if you have your scriptures, I want to invite you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 3 today. That's where we're going to be uh, studying. So you can go ahead and be making your way to chapter 3. And as we're working our way there, let me just give a little bit of a, a, a summation, a recap of where we've been. And by the way, you can go back and listen to all the messages and find them online and catch up with us. But let me just give a, a, a quick recap because we've just had two parts, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And in chapter one, we see Nehemiah really cultivating a heart of, of caring and a passion of what God wants to do. We see him asking good questions, uh, praying, weeping, and then raising his hand to say, hey, I want to be a part of God's plan. And then when we get to, to chapter two, uh, we see Nehemiah beginning to, to make some preparations to, to, to put with that prayer. So he was a person that prayed, but he was also a person that, that prepared and uh, was ready to, to, to give a plan uh, when the king asked him, hey, what do you want? We talked last week in chapter two, verse four. King Artaxerxes, the, the king that he's serving uh, in, in the Persian Empire, says, what is it that you're requesting? And Nehemiah is ready, right? And, and in this moment, I'm, I'm not a poker player, by the way, um, but, but in this moment, we see Nehemiah going all in, if you will. And from what I understand, when you play poker, there's, there comes a point in any game where you kind of look at your hand and you look at your chips and you look at your opponents and you push your chips to the middle of the table and you say, you know what? I'm all in. And in chapter one and in chapter two, just by way of recap for where we are in the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah has pushed his chips, if you will, to the middle of the table and said, I am all in on God's plan. He's raised his hand and said, I wanna be a part of bringing about God's kingdom, his plan on earth as it is in heaven. And isn't that where each of us wants to be? 
Uh, when we, when we, uh, if you're at chapter 3, look just a couple of verses back to verse 17 because it's the key verse uh, in our entire series. Nehemiah says to all the people, and he's in Jerusalem at this point, you see the trouble that we are in? And we talked about the pronoun that he uses there. He, he's a part of, 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 of the people and, and what God wants to do. He's not separating himself and saying, you have a problem or someone should do something about that. He's including himself. He says, you know, look at how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us, again, pay attention to the pronoun here, verse 17, chapter 2. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision, that we may no longer suffer reproach from other people. And then it's amazing if you look at verse 18, again, just Nehemiah going all in. Now the people of Jerusalem are saying, we're all in on God's plan. They, they, they begin to cast the vision and say, hey, we want to be a part of this good work. And as we've talked about all along, whenever you do something for God uh, in your life today with your family and your business, whenever you raise your hand and say, I want to be all in on God's plan and not my plan, you can expect opposition. And that's exactly what happens here at the very end of chapter two as we set up chapter three today. Uh, there's these people that continue to come against Nehemiah, but they're not really coming against Nehemiah. They're really coming against God and God's plan. And, and then we get to this final statement, this final verse in chapter two. And I just wanna read it for you today because I think it is, is a great summary of Nehemiah and all the people at this point saying, hey, we are you know, hands up all in on what God wants to do. And so Nehemiah answers uh, the detractors, the opponents, if you will, on behalf of the people. And he says this, I gave them this reply. The God of the heavens is the one who will grant us success. We, again, pay attention to the pronoun, we, his servants, all the people now, we, his servants will start building, but you have no share, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. In other words, Nehemiah is saying, we're all in on God's plan and you have nothing to do with it and we're going forward because we are his servants. This is his plan and we're gonna get after it. Maybe in this moment of the story, again, just by way of recap, maybe at this point in the story, at the end of chapter two, more than any point of the story, Nehemiah goes from being a faithful follower of God because we've seen him in chapter one and chapter two be a faithful follower of God. We've seen him be tender and we've seen him be tough, but now maybe more than any other moment, he, he, he's becoming a, a faithful leader for God. He's moving from being just a faithful follower of God to being a faithful leader for God. And we're gonna see that carry over into our study today in chapter three. So if you're, if you're with me, uh, look at chapter three and you're gonna see a list of a bunch of names and a bunch of places and a lot of different work. And really all of chapter three is a documentation of Nehemiah's plan. So he's prayed, he's prepared. And now we're gonna see in chapter three, after he said, hey, I'm all in, uh, we're gonna see his actual plan. And this is so cool because this was written uh, almost 500 years before the time of Jesus. And now we're, we're 2000 years after the time of Jesus. So over 2,500 years ago, this was documented and it was put in place for us to even read today. The, the, the word of God is, is a miracle and every single word is valuable and important. And so Nehemiah wants to document his plan, if you will, for us to read of how God used his uh, his prayer, his preparation into this specific plan of how God would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I wanna talk about three things today. So if you're taking notes, I will encourage you to write these down. If you're following along on the New City app, there's a, a really great outline that you can fill in the blanks and email it to yourself or maybe somebody who couldn't join you today to follow along of Nehemiah's plan because every part of it is really important. And we're gonna break it down in three different parts of his plan. The work and then the people 
and then the places. And we're going to see all of those represented in Nehemiah chapter 3. And I want to encourage you to read it for yourself again this week because every part of it's important. important. But we're going to see his plan broken down into the work, the people, and the places. So Nehemiah, and we, we already know this by the time we get to chapter 3 here and, and catch up to this part of the story. Nehemiah is a leader who had a plan. And he was a leader who wanted to work his plan. He had a plan and he wanted to work his plan. And we see that happening in chapter three. And let's start with the work, the work itself. And there's two words that really describe the, the work of rebuilding and restoring Jerusalem. The first is uh, it's rebuilding, right? And the second is repairing. And so the word rebuilding that you'll, you'll find here in chapter three, you'll find it six different times, the, the word for, for rebuild. Sometimes it's, um, and depending on what translation you're using, sometimes it's, you'll see it as build. Sometimes you'll see it as rebuild. But the idea was were, that, that Nehemiah and all the people were reconstructing. They were rebuilding the walls that, that, lied, that lay in ruins. And so I think this is really interesting because really what they're doing is they're taking what's been destroyed or, or oftentimes damaged and they're, they're, re, they're rebuilding building it, but they don't need necessarily new material. I love what George Morrison uh, reminded us in this, this moment. He said that for the restoration, there was no new materials that were described or needed. It was actually the debris of the ruined masonry that, that lay all around um, Jerusalem. That was the material that was requ- required for the rebuilding. And it seems that this has always been so with the walls of, when the walls of Zion are restored. And I actually love this little point that is easy to miss with the whole idea of rebuilding, being a part of the work, that there wasn't new material that was described that was needed. It was actually the material that already was there that just needed to be rebuilt. And I think this is such a great picture of what God wants to do in each of our own lives as God builds his kingdom in our hearts and all around us, that oftentimes it's not about getting new things. It's about taking the broken pieces that are in our life and by God's grace and by his power, him restoring and rebuilding those, you know, brick by brick, piece by piece. That, that God can take our broken lives and rebuild them. And as Christ followers, we have everything we need for that work. Paul reminds us that in Philippians that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So all we have to do is look and to ask and to rightly place our hearts and our trust in God, the master rebuilder, right? To, to put the, the broken pieces of our lives back together. And so I don't know what that looks like for you today, But before we move on with the work of chapter three in Nehemiah, let's just talk about the work that God's doing in your life of rebuilding. The the work that God wants to take from the things that might lie in ruins right now in your heart and put back together, whether that's in your marriage or maybe there's uh, brokenness with a relationship with a child today, a crossword that's been spoken or something you wish you hadn't said that's out there now and you can't take it back something that happened at work this week or something that you're anticipating that might happen this week that you're nervous about or you're frustrated about or that you just feel like kind of um, is lying in ruin right now, that God can take that and by the power of the Holy Spirit that he can begin to rebuild your broken life, your broken marriage, broken relationships, broken, broken things and failures in your life. After all, Jesus himself was a carpenter, a master builder, and he, he longs to rebuild our lives. But there's another word that's used here for the work. The first is rebuild. But the second word that's used all throughout chapter three of Nehemiah's plan for the work is to repair. 
And the word literally means in the Hebrew to make strong again. Again, it's, it's taking something that's there and making it strong. It's, it's fortifying. And that word, you know, if the word build or rebuild is used six times. The word for repair is used 35 different times in different forms throughout Nehemiah chapter 3. So what we learned here about, about Nehemiah was that he wasn't interested in quick fixes and neither should we. Um, he, was, he wasn't interested just in appearances, and we shouldn't just be uh, interested in the appearance or the veneer of our lives. He was interested in the real work and that the work of repairing be done with excellence. And let me just stop here for a moment in our own lives as Christ followers, that if we're doing something on behalf of God, which all of our lives should be lived to the glory of God on behalf of God, for his kingdom to rebuild and restore and re- bring, bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, as we say here at New City, to, to bring gospel renewal to our city and world. If it's done on behalf of God, it should be done with excellence. It should be better, right, than somebody who's not a Christ follower. Excellence is the name of the game for Nehemiah, not extravagance. We don't read about extravagance, but we do read about excellence. And Nehemiah, we know for the repairing, goes and gets timber from the king's forest. We read that uh, in chapter uh, two, that he asked for permission in letters to go and get supplies. And so he's rebuilding the gates and he's rebuilding things or repairing things that have been, been burned. And we read specifically about locks and bars and, 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 and the work that was done uh, to, to preserve what they're going to build. In other words, it wasn't just about rebuilding and repairing. It was also about preserving. They knew their enemies would come again. Jerusalem has always had enemies. The work of God has always had enemies and opponents. And so they were building it to last. And this is a great model for each of us to repair in the name of God to last and to withstand the attacks of the enemy because they will eventually come. And Nehemiah knew that. So Nehemiah's plan in chapter three, as it's documented for us, it begins with the actual work of rebuilding and repairing, but it goes on from there to the people. A part of of Nehemiah's plan and ultimately God's plan was the people. The, the people who would carry out the actual work. And if you read through chapter three, again, it, it sort of reads like, a, like a, a genealogy in some other places in the Bible, but there's 38 different individuals that are listed in chapter three. Each and every one of them is important. There are 42, check this out, there are 42 different groups or families that are mentioned in chapter three. It's, it's only 32 verses. So lots of individuals, lots of groups, lots of families that are documented by Nehemiah and each and every worker, each and every family, each and every group was important. And all of them had a specific task in the work. The people had a specific assignment in God's plan. So allow me to summarize some of the learnings from chapter three, specifically to the people. Again, each and every one of them being important and each and every one of us being important to God's plan today. So you had uh, the fact that God uses all kinds of people. That's my first summary for, for Nehemiah's plan here with, with, with people. That God uses all kinds of people in all kinds of different ways. Look at the passage, just the chapter with me in these different places, and you can circle it and come back to it later. In chapter one, we, or in verse one, we see priests. Uh, we see rulers in verses 12 through 19 in Nehemiah 3. Different types of people. We see men and women listed, um, different families in verse 12. We see professionals. There's actually craftsmen and professionals that are listed in, in verses 8 and 32 in Nehemiah 3. And then we see outsiders in verses 2 and 5 and 7, people that came from other places to join in the work. There was a, a place for everyone and everyone had a job to do. God uses all kinds of people. But secondly, again, let me just summarize kind of this part of Nehemiah's plan, the people, because they're, they're maybe most important, the, the, the people that are, that are living out and, and sort of putting into place God's plan 
uh, just by summary, leaders set the standard. Look at verse 1. We have the high priest himself, Elisha, who is leading the work with other priests. He's setting the standard. Interestingly, Elisha would go on to betray Nehemiah. And a member of his family would uh, marry a, uh, a member of his opponent's family, and it was, a, it was a mess. But at this moment in chapter 3 in the story, we see leaders setting the standard and leading the way. And we should today as Christ followers, as God's leaders, lead the way. Thirdly, we see outsiders join the work. I mentioned this before. There was a, a city known as Tekoa where people came from. It's mentioned specifically. It was about 11 miles outside outside of Jerusalem. And when they hear that God's people and Nehemiah are all in and they're working God's plan, they want to be a part of it. And you know, it's interesting when you work for God, when you do something for God and his kingdom and his glory, it'll be interesting to see who joins you. And you might be surprised at the people who may not even be God followers, who will come and join you in the work. And then you might conversely be surprised at the people who don't, don't join you in the works. So, but uh, when you look at chapter three, we have to mention uh, in God's plan of using people, and he always does, God wants to use people to bring about his plans, that oftentimes he uses outsiders, people who may not even be Christ followers, who wanna join in to bring in about his, his plan here on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the fourth thing, again, just by way of summary. Some work more than others. Some people work more than others. I don't know that I need to say a whole lot more about this, uh, but in verses 11 and 19 and 21 and 24 and 27 and 30, we see examples of people going above and beyond and working in incredible ways. And then conversely, we see people who don't do that. And I'm sure that's true in your own life today, um, that some people just work more than others. And then lastly, uh, fifthly, people work from home. This is a good one for us today, right? in the midst of the context that we find ourselves in, and a lot of you working from home, the, the people work from home. Six different times in Nehemiah chapter three, we see people who are a part of God's plan uh, working in front of their homes, constructing the wall and repairing the walls that were specifically in front of their homes. And I love this because what it shows us is great ownership. That Nehemiah knew and ultimately God knows that when we're working at home, we're going to demonstrate and show even more ownership, that the work of God ultimately begins right in our homes, right at your, your dinner table tonight, right in your backyard, right in your neighborhood. The work of God, the kingdom of God, rebuilding the work of God, bringing gospel renewal begins right in our homes. Again, it's a great reminder that godly service and leadership starts right where your feet are today. You know, one of our values for our next-gen ministry, which we include here at New City, being our kids and our students, and we have hundreds and hundreds of kids and students that are involved in our next-gen ministry, it, our, our goal is to raise up the next generation of Christ followers. And one of our principles there is to partner well with parents. Because this work of raising up the next generation of Christ followers it begins in the home. And so we often say this, you know, you can do it, parents and grandparents, you can do it. And we as a church, we want to help. And we're partnering together to raise up the next generation of Christ followers. But it begins right in your home. I love what Mother Teresa said. She said this, one of, her, um, one of my favorite quotes from Mother Teresa, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. The work begins right at home. And God used all kinds of people in all kinds of different ways with all kinds of backgrounds to participate in Nehemiah's plan, which was ultimately his plan to rebuild and to restore Jerusalem. So Nehemiah had a plan. Let's just summarize real quick. Nehemiah had a plan for the work. 
Nehemiah had a plan for the people. And then finally, here in chapter 3, Nehemiah had a plan for all the different places on the wall around Jerusalem. And so it's interesting, again, as you work your way through chapter 3, and I hope you will in Nehemiah, Nehemiah mentions 10 different gates in chapter 3, different locations. He mentions, 10, or he mentions different towers, different specific towers that were located all around the perimeter of the wall of Jerusalem. He mentions different landmarks, different places. He mentions different sections of the wall, uh, a western section, different um, sections specifically as he works his way around Jerusalem, different places where people were a part of the plan. And each of those places represented something special to Nehemiah that he wanted to document for us to see here in chapter 3. But I think it's really interesting, and I want us to finish here today in our study of chapter 3 and Nehemiah's plan. I think it's interesting that Nehemiah begins and ends at the same place. Look at Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. He begins at a specific place. And now look at verse 32. If you have a copy of the scriptures, if you have them open, look there. If you're following on your phones on the app, it's already uh, preloaded there. Look at Nehemiah 3 and look at verse 32. It ends at the same place, the Sheep Gate. Now the Sheep Gate was in the northwestern corner of uh, Jerusalem, around, the, uh, around the, 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 the wall that surrounded Jerusalem. It's in the northwestern corner. And as Nehemiah describes all of these different places and landmarks and towers and gates, as he's going around Jerusalem, he's going in a counterclockwise fashion. But he's beginning in verse 1 with the Sheep Gate. And then when we get to verse 32, the end of chapter 3, he, he concludes at the same Sheep Gate, going all the way around the Sheep Gate is really significant, and I want us just to, 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 to end here and spend a couple of minutes here because it's very important. Because the Sheep Gate was the place where all the animal sacrifices, and namely the sheep, would come through to be sacrificed in the temple. And if you look at a picture of Jerusalem at the time of Nehemiah, the temple is right by the Sheep Gate. So the animals would come in that gate, they'd go into the, 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 the temple, and then they'd be sacrificed for the sins of the people as an atonement. This is an important moment because I believe that every single word in God's word points to Jesus. The Apostle John said that Jesus was the word made flesh. In other words, Jesus embodied all the counsel of God. All of the word of God was incarnate in the person and the work of Jesus. And so as Nehemiah is describing God's plan and the work and the people and the places... I just think it's fascinating that he begins and ends these places with the sheep gate and pointing us to the sacrifice that God would ultimately make through the Lamb of God who would, who would come into this same city, into the city of Jerusalem some 450 years later to be the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate plan for God to restore and rebuild and redeem each and every one of us. Jesus, of course, is described in the book of Revelation as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Nehemiah begins his chapter with the Sheep Gate and he ends his chapter at the Sheep Gate, pointing us ultimately to the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sin of the world, the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Listen to these words from Jesus in John chapter 10. I think that you'll hear something familiar to Nehemiah 3. Jesus says, beginning in John 10, verse 7, he says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door, I'm the gate of the sheep. 
All who come to me, all who came before me are thieves and they're robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Again, Jesus says in verse 9, John 10, I am the door. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But listen to these words. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Ultimately, Jesus was God's perfect plan. And I believe even as we're looking at the plan that God gave to to Nehemiah to, to rebuild and reconstruct the walls around Jerusalem, ultimately, Nehemiah was but one person in a long lineage of God's plan, ultimately leading to the person of Jesus. If you think about it, Nehemiah was rebuilding and restoring the, the city that Jesus would ultimately walk into to be the perfect example for each of us and ultimately to be the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us to forgive us for our sins, to atone for our sins, past, present, and future. And so here's the bottom line for Nehemiah chapter three today. Nehemiah's plan points us to God's ultimate plan. Nehemiah's plan, as it's described so beautifully in chapter three, it points us to God's ultimate plan, Jesus. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the one that came to give you life and to give it abundantly. He's the one that came through the sheep gate to ultimately be the sacrifice forevermore for each and every one of us. Here's the gospel in one sentence. Everyone lean into this. Here's the gospel in one sentence. Through the person and the work of Jesus, God's ultimate plan, God has, has, has fulfilled every requirement of salvation for each and every one of us. Through the person and the work of Jesus, God has fully accomplished. Let me say it another way. God has fully accomplished everything needed for, for your salvation, for my salvation, through the person and the work of Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Nehemiah's plan points us to God's ultimate plan in chapter three, Jesus, the one who would come some 450 years later, the one whom we can now look back on and proclaim as Savior and as Lord. To him alone be the glory today. Let's pray together. I want to give an opportunity for those of you who would say, hey, I, I just heard the gospel today for the first time, or maybe I heard it for the, the thousandth time, but something moved in my heart and I've never received Jesus as the Lamb of God who came to take away my sin. I've never seen Jesus in the pages of the scripture like this, the one who came to be the ultimate sacrifice for my sins, past, present, and future. And I wanna, I wanna trust Jesus today. I wanna stop trusting myself and I wanna, I wanna begin to walk with Jesus and invite him into my life. If that's your heart today, if that's your desire today, before we close, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. I believe that you, Jesus, that you're the son of God. And I believe just like we heard today that you came to die on a cross for me. I believe that, that you rose from the dead, just like you said you did. And that you now invite me to be a part of your forever family. And so today, because of what you've done, Jesus, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and that you would give me eternal life. And I pray today that you would come into my heart in every part of my life. I wanna trust you today, Jesus, as my savior, and I wanna follow you 
as my Lord. And so would you help me now, even today, even right now in this moment, would you help me to live my life in a way that honors you and that brings you glory and that ultimately that says I'm all in on your plan and not my plan? God, would you give each of us the wisdom today to know what you're speaking to us from your word? And for each of us, for those who just prayed to receive Christ, for those of us who have been following Christ for years, for those who are exploring what it means to have a relationship with Christ, for every single one of us, would you help us to take a step closer to you? And would you help us to leave this place today in courage and in faith to follow you? We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We love you, New City. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for joining us in worship today. And if you prayed that prayer with Chris just now, we want to be a part of your faith journey. You can send me an email this week, rdasher at newcity.us. I'd love to be a part of helping you take next steps in your faith. If you will, extend your hands for a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and bring you peace. We love you so much, New City. Have a great week.